Where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. <laughs> I was gonna say Nick Cage, but I, I chickened out of doing the whole. Um, oh, you what would want... you call it? The uh, I don't uh, a joke. The where he in the movie where he's like, "You're Nick." Oh, oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> I was this, like, oh, yes. wait, we're advertised as a non-swearing uh, S- podcast. Non-swearing podcast. And what if someone had their child in the car and then I just yelled? Yeah, uh, the that's a good point. The top of my lungs. That's a good I would point. Feel so <laughs> and two minutes into the episode, nonetheless. <laughs> Anyways, Nick Cage isn't here, but Matt The real is, question so is, we'll is, take the win. is this a real us or is this a podcast with us playing us. <laughs> yeah, it's very meta. Mm. Uh, you'll never know what, what's real and what's not, but we're here and we're present. Yes. Yeah, we're here. We missed the pop culture roundup because Shelby's mother was in town. Yeah, I know. I had to like socialize and stuff. But I did drag my mother to see the un- the unachievable um, weight of in supreme experience. <laughs> I've never I understood hate, this title. I, I would hate, like just Google unbearable Matt Nick Cage and it would get me to it. So Yeah, the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> I feel like there's a bunch. I feel like for whatever reason, there's a trend in like novels and stuff now to have these sort of like long wordy titles where it's Everything, like the 16 everyone, lives of Zuzi Dabuti. And you're like, <laughs> I don't like, I don't get this. Also, I hate word salad titles that are just a bunch of words mixed together that really have no meaning yeah the sky is every place it's like what (laughs) well this is about the unbearable way of um, massive talent you know every word has an important feature in the conversation don't you feel well, especially when you're Nick Cage, you, you're suffering under <laughs> all of that talent. It's so much, yeah. and it's on and, you constantly. Yeah. The sheer weight of uh, 120 films under your on your shoulders. Uh, the massive talent uh, across Is that, that how many movies he's been in? That I think insane. it's a ridiculous amount. Yeah, it's definitely over 100. I was going to send you like a quiz of to see how many Nick Cage movies we've both seen, but I couldn't find one that actually had his whole filmography because like people just didn't want to <laughs> put together a clickable, uh, I don't know, list or whatever. Cause it would be like three web pages to go through. I mean, I, I have, I have not seen that many Nick Cage movies. I will admit. Yeah. I, I bet I've surprised. seen maybe 10. Yeah. I had about 20. Cause I think his, but some of them are like weird newer ones because i saw all his weird like i saw knowing i saw the one about the (laughs) i remembered i saw the one about the um what's the christian belief the uh everyone gets left behind everyone good gets absorbed yeah yeah yeah. yes yes i have seen that left behind no but what's the term called in the 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 rapture (laughs) the rapture yeah 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 i watched that for some reason even though uh my religion didn't believe in that and so it was very weird to see him do something so religious but 
he's in Time to Kill, which is apparently not a Time to Kill, which I have seen, <laughs> but that doesn't count. Yeah. And obviously yeah. I saw Pig. I've seen The Family Man. I've I saw Face Rock. Off. Na- National Treasure, obviously. See, I feel like you probably saw some of these like 90s movies when he was at his like peak where yeah. I feel like I did not watch those. And then I also am not as into sort of like some of the weird sci-fi stuff as you are. So I feel like you probably <laughs> saw some of those. I'm going well, through I, his list I saw now. like Moonstruck and the Peggy Sue movie, but I didn't see things like The Wicker Man or like Con Air, like some of his more notorious roles I've never seen. So I feel like a lot of this movie was lost on me because I didn't know a single reference except for Face Off and National Treasure that they made in this film. Because they went for some of those more like, like they're his bigger films, but but not for maybe my generation or something. This is his ninth film that I've seen. <laughs> That's it. Wow. Yeah. No, you're, you're very uneducated. Yeah. So I did not get like of Nick Cage. I knew, like, I know the names of movies and, like, generally what they're about. So I feel like I did, like, when they mentioned, like, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, I knew that that was a movie. And I know that it's a uh, sort of, like, dramatic film that did not oh, do yeah, very no well. So it's, like, that. there are certain things, but I've never seen it. I just, like, know of it. Like, I know generally what Con Air is about. I know generally what Face Off is about. <laughs> but I have never seen those movies. So why did we go to this? Like what? <laughs> why did what we... drew you to this? I mean, if you didn't have to see it for work, I guess. What made you think, oh, this looks like a good movie? Well, I didn't really even need to see it for work necessarily. I mean, like I need I get invited to screeners all the time yeah. and I go to lots of them, especially if they're big movies, just because even though I might not have an article specifically about it, right. like since we do streaming lists, you never know when we might do a list of like, oh, Tiffany Haddish movies. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, I've right. like, it's good that I saw this one because she's in it. Or, or movies about movies or, you know, whatever the heck it is. Yeah. So I didn't have to see this one specifically for anything for BuzzFeed. But I thought it looked interesting. And especially after Pig. And I didn't see Mandy a couple of years ago. But I feel like there is sort of a little bit of like a Nick Cage resurgence. Because he was obviously really big in the like what late 90s, early 2000s, where sort of his hits were. Then everybody, I think post National Treasure, sort of wrote him off as a not great actor who was in a bunch of bad movies like just terrible selections and i feel like it's only been in the last couple of years that people have kind of been revisiting their opinions of nick cage and thinking oh maybe he is actually talented like maybe he's willing to do these sort of ballsy roles he maybe is has is more there than like meets the eye yeah and so after pig which i didn't love but i thought he (laughs) gave a good performance and i know that a lot of people really liked I was intrigued to see what this movie was all about. And I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this one a lot. Did you like it as much as I did? Um, well, so when I think of Nick Cage, I always think of the community gag where the, one of the classes is like, is Nick Cage a good actor or not? And it's yes. like, there's this whole scene about it. And that's always sat with me because I've experienced the good and the bad of Nick Cage, even in my small sampling of his work. And he's always just like this weirdo. And even in his personal life, he's a known weirdo. But yeah, I feel like people have more come around to this idea of 
being excited about his weirdness and like his weird choices and the sheer amount of his work and how he just seems to enjoy work rather than trying to, you know, in this film talk, he talks about the difference between a career and just a job. Um, and so like Nick Cage has always been like this weird <laughs> figure. And like I said, I enjoyed pig a lot, um, which surprised me. And so this one, I, I was in, I was curious about the film. I, I was excited that so many people seemed to love it. I thought, oh, it'll be kind of like funny. He's in on the joke. It'll be like very meta. And like, I appreciate that sort of weird sly humor. Um, but ultimately, I was kind of just like disappointed by it. It just is kind of like, it just felt, <laughs> I don't know if you'll be surprised by this take, but it just felt like an indulgent sort of film bros drunken idea that got made into reality because they happened to find a star who was like game for it you know and it didn't feel like the most interesting or polished script or cleanest story and even the in jokes about Nick Cage themselves felt sort of like the the lowest hanging fruit of it all so I don't know I just like watching it there were definitely some laugh out loud moments that I was like oh this is fun but overall it couldn't like keep my enthusiasm going for the whole run of it i think that probably going into it with super low expectations which i did helped me because i wasn't i didn't really assume that i would like the movie um and i understand those criticisms i think the movie felt very kind of tiny to me like it didn't there's not that much happening in it. Um, it felt really short. I feel like the two movies that it reminded me most of, which maybe is another reason why you didn't like it, were <laughs> The Beach Bum and also the newest Borat movie. Um, <laughs> where they're both these, right. They're both sort of these like rambling, like sort of adventure saga movies, all three of them, I guess, where there's a star in the middle that's sort of like a middle-aged man who is going about these misadventures and it's somewhat comedic. Um, But then all of them end up, I think, mostly being about this older guy's relationship with their daughter and there's like a surprising sweetness to it, even in the absurdity of the movies. And so I found it really kind of nice and just like a pleasant, enjoyable experience to watch. Like wasn't necessarily doing anything super interesting. I don't know. I think that the parts of this that worked for me were less about Nick Cage playing Nick Cage and more about like, like just him sort of being a kind of lovable oaf wandering around and his relationship with his his daughter and then also i i loved pedro pascal in this as Mm. the like um like billionaire who loves nick cage and invites him on this uh trip to an island and nick cage and him sort of have this like budding bromance where at first pedro pascal is just like obsessed with nicholas cage and just sort of follows him around dotingly and then the two of them sort of by the end of the movie actually become friends and I don't know. There was just something like weirdly sweet about the whole thing that I kind of got suckered into. And <laughs> yeah, like, was this like, is this an Oscar movie? Was this saying anything super profound? No, but I thought that it was like a very like good time at the theater. Um, 
and I think, yeah, I don't know. This uh, this year in general, I think, has so far been... Uh, I've been pleased with a bunch of the movies that have come out <laughs> that were... Um, I think after last year and all of the big like holdover blockbuster things that we got to have some of these more random little movies has been fun. Like I also watched the bad guys movie, the animated one last week, which I thought was sweet. I really liked everything everywhere all at once. Like marry me. I don't know. I'm just like, I like, I'm liking these sort of like random, like original ideas that sort of like aren't necessarily doing a ton, but are just like a fun, enjoyable watch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're like, no, well, to set it up, to set it up uh, for people who maybe didn't uh, flock to the theaters to watch Nick Cage play Nick Cage. He is uh, a version of himself who's struggling to stay connected with his teenage daughter, who he feels like he has a good relationship with, but she's like pulling away from him. And he's clearly obsessed with her appreciating the same things he appreciates. He has, he's divorced from his wife and is kind of living this loner life, building up debts, not getting a lot of jobs. He's not getting the roles he wants to come back. Not that he went anywhere. And in a state of depression, agrees to go to this party that someone's willing to pay him a million dollars to attend. And that's sort of where it starts. And then it turns into this weird espionage thriller because the CIA happens to be looking into Pedro Pascal's character because of a kidnapping of a political um, figure's daughter. And so as Nick Cage is brought in by the CIA to help them figure out where this girl is hidden on the compound. He's also dealing with his growing feelings for um, Pedro Pascal's character and realizing that they bond so much over their love of movies and his love of himself. And it's like, (laughs) it's like a pretty conventional plot, which they smartly try to make fun of. And a lot of the movie's best humor moments come from these two film bros, Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal's character, talking about what they, what movie they want to write together and what they're going to avoid yes. doing, even as mm-hmm. that's exactly what's happening in the actual movie. So it's very meta, and I like that. Um, I just feel like it, it, felt <laughs> it felt lazy by the end and sort of this like weird... It's written by two men who obviously love Nick Cage. Um, They brought Nick Cage in on spec. So they were like, would you be down for this? And he's like, yeah. And so then they started shopping the script to different networks. And they're like, well, is Nick Cage signed on? And they're like, well, he won't sign on until you guys sign on. So it was like this weird uh, leap of faith to really get it made. And once it was, once it all uh, came to agreement, Nick Cage helped sort of build the story where he's like originally he was supposed to be an absentee father but Nick Cage was like I would never do that like I care too much about my kids so I don't feel comfortable portraying that as myself and so they rewrote it to be more of he's trying to make a little mini me of himself and there are elements of truth where Nick Cage is this sort of like weird egomaniacal but also weirdly humble kind of dude but he loves spending money and like buys the weirdest frivolous stuff like I think he at one point like bought a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull like I remember that story like there's just like there's been a lot about him he's not an enigma it's not like we don't know about Nick Cage's personality per se right and so it felt weird that 
it was so clearly a character and not Nick Cage, even though I obviously knew it wasn't a biography, but it felt like they could have leaned in more to the to the hyper star quality of his purchases and lavish lifestyle and <laughs> I don't know, weirdness, but instead it, they tried to paint well, him as like this. Because he did buy, because they do talk about how he has no money because he yeah. buys weird stuff. It is, it was, it is interesting though, because they're definitely doing like the same thing that they did with, um, LeBron James in the new (laughs) Space Jam movie where he's playing himself but like his entire family is fictionalized right so you're kind of like huh it it does have a sort of weird quality to it that you're like we're in a different multiverse where you are still a star but you're slightly different yeah like yeah and like really different in some ways because it's like like obviously they tried to make him more I don't know, relatable or normal in some ways. Like, obviously, yes, he spends money. Obviously, he has a ghost version of himself that he's talking to. He has this ego and this drive, but it's not necessarily because he wants a career. He just loves working. But I feel like it lost the essence of why people are obsessed with the personality of Nick Cage and his work and instead just made him a vehicle to talk about how much the filmmakers love Nick Cage and his past work. I don't know. Like I can recognize that maybe that's nitpicking, but it feels like it could have been more funny to even have him like his son is named Cal Kal-El like after Superman you know like Nick Cage is a weirdo (laughs) and I wish they would have allowed him to be even more weird than he really is in this movie because he is kind of this like not the straight man I guess because Pedro definitely plays like the containing piece to Nick Cage's weirdness but he's not given a lot of wiggle room like the weirdest scenes are when they're both on LSD but when he's just himself he's just grumpy and drinking you know yeah i i guess i don't know if like how likable do we think that nick cage is in real life because he's very (laughs) likable in this and so i think they probably like sanded out some of the rougher parts of his personality yeah it just felt sanitized i guess yeah yeah i mean i think it would be a big ask and sort of hard for someone to be playing themselves in a movie that really like skewers themselves like completely <laughs> yeah but that's the challenge Matt that's what I wanted right and that's not what even, you want like not even letting him like walk away looking like the bad guy but it just felt like by the end of this movie as they hit like plot point after plot point and convenience after convenience I was like huh this really didn't take any swings and it felt like it should have because they managed to get Nick Cage right so I felt like there should have been bigger moments either either playfully mocking or drawing attention to his past work or whatever because i know there's a lot of easter eggs in here but it all felt sort of like i think they sort of do that they i think that they make him i think that they make him seem dumber than he probably is in real life (laughs) like he sort of seems very like doofy in this and like just the way he thinks about things like the in those conversations where he's talking about his movies he seems like very like almost naive about a lot of stuff which i think in real life he's probably a bit more calculated but just like bad at making decisions for whatever reason or like strange (laughs) yeah yeah and so they tweaked that personality trait to make him kind of like lovably like more of a himbo type of situation here i guess i I would have like welcomed something that was less like this felt very much 
like the family man, like the problems were just standard family problems. Yes. I think they could have had an emotional heart to it, but it felt sort of like I didn't ever feel that like concern for his relationship with his daughter. It felt so, I I don't know, convenient and like superficial almost. And the daughter and the wife have very thinly drawn characters, which was also a bother to me. And so I almost feel like they would have just focused on the Pedro and Nick friendship more than adding this convenience of the daughter kidnapping and sort of thing. Cause it felt sort of unnecessary except that they didn't want to be the show that didn't have women in it. You know what I mean? Like that's it, the vibe I got. It definitely felt less like quirky indie and a little bit more corporate as yeah. a movie. Like it felt, it reminded me sort of of like the lost city in some ways of you could see kind of like the, studio heads like writing out parts okay we need a daughter we need them to have an emotional scene we need them to have a conflict you know like that kind of a thing um so it did feel a little paint by numbersy and points and also it didn't have any real criticism of like the film industry or actors (laughs) or that kind of space at all it was very I don't know. It was a very, very like shiny, nice, like, yeah, yeah, movie. It was like it very wasn't mainstream. Yeah, it wasn't attempting to do anything that was super prickly. It was very like an enjoyable movie to watch. I mean, when you texted me and was like, "Oh, can I go see this with my mom?" I was like, "Absolutely!" Like this is yeah. definitely a movie that you could go see with the entire family. Like, would they? Like, will your kids like get the references to the Nick Cage movies? Probably not. But also, I didn't get most of those <laughs> references, and I liked the movie. Yeah. I think it's enjoyable. Actually, my mom liked it more than me and Rob actually, and I think it is because it doesn't ask a lot of you. And if you're if you're just going to enjoy a movie, like it's easy to just sit back and enjoy a few laughs every now and then. And like Tiffany Haddish pops up, and oh, they're. He has like he accidentally touched his face with the with the knocking out poison. Like yes. it's like oh yeah, it's very A classic. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's like there's like e- it's an easy movie to follow. But I guess I was expecting something more. I don't know, bodacious or or sort of fitting the narrative of Nick Cage choosing wild roles. You know, whereas this was very very like yeah. For this being sort of a wild premise of him playing himself, it is a very sort of um non-wild movie this is not yeah. like beca- uh, being john malkovich where uh, like john malkovich is playing himself but it's a very like sort of strange kind of taxing <laughs> movie to watch like this was very like pleasant family feature the thing or a couple of things that i felt were strange was that some of the like this movie is a normal length movie it's it's 107 minutes so i guess what that's like that's like 40. an hour and 40 So it's not a short movie necessarily, but it sort of felt short because other than Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal, I feel like every other character felt like they did not get as much time. Like I really love Sharon Horgan, but she wasn't getting a lot as the wife. Like Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz are there (laughs) as these like CIA agents and neither of them get very much screen time and aren't really like for having two comedic actors in those roles, the roles are, I think, more serious than they should be given the two of them. But then also they're not like completely serious at the same time. They sort of feel like patched together. Yeah, yeah, really, I really I- liked them. But yeah, everyone was kind of underutilized except for the two stars. And And it's not that I think we need a backstory for everyone or they need some dramatic scene, but it was just sort of like, 
if you're gonna write them you gotta give them a little life you know <laughs> yeah well or even like neil patrick harris as the um, yeah. agent isn't really like doing anything interesting when you compare him to like the to the lost city agent who is definitely much more like quirky or int- like that felt like a role that you could have made more fun. And Neil Patrick Harris is sort of just like playing it as a straight man. Um, yeah. I did really like the bit at the end where they have turned this into a movie and it's like Demi Moore playing uh, the wife instead. I thought that was a funny bit. Um, <laughs> I thought what I appreciated that bit is, and that people aren't like talking enough about is that they suddenly make the 16 year old daughter like this booby, yeah, 25 year old in full makeup and i thought uh-huh. that was funny and i was like see i would have liked more of that like mocking the industry a little bit more yeah um because it, it was clear they had enough love and knowledge of like the weirdness of hollywood and nick cage's career to make good jokes because they did like 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 i don't know the the, the phantom version of nick like everything there was enough weirdness that I wish they'd like leaned in and like pushed harder to like make mm-hmm. it funny and smart. But it seemed like they were just like caught up and wow, we have this idea and we actually got to get it made. And, and we have to address the fact that in this movie, Pedro Pascal gets to stand in for every nerdy film bro out there as like, this is who I am, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like it's like, it seems like an attempt to <laughs> to separate the nerd imagery from your usual, like, uh, you know, to be ru- rude, like, loser dude sitting alone on his couch, like, writing Reddit threads about his favorite movies, right? Like, this is, this is glamorizing the film nerd to the point where they get to see themselves in Pedro Pascal, <laughs> who's, like, very cool. And even though he has a shrine to Nick Cage is like sexy and effortless and has a million friends and money. And I thought that was, I thought that was funny, right? Like I thought it's really funny. I mean, (laughs) while I was watching it, I was like, oh, I know that Pedro Pascal is sort of like a sex symbol. And people, like I remember him when he arrived in Game of Thrones and being like, oh yeah, like this person is hot. In this, I I think they did a decent job of making him pretty dweeby because I didn't, he w- he definitely is uh, uh like pl- he is he was definitely he was not worried about like looking sexy in this movie i will say um but yes it is like where they could have gotten a jonah hill type person to play this role they definitely <laughs> went out of their way to get someone who was you know much more attractive yeah he's like I would a like, cool super fan he... I, I would like to talk about nick cage's dyed beard and like (laughs) was it real was it a prosthetic like i was so just entranced by it the entire time because it obviously wasn't natural Mm. but i wasn't sure if it was like his real beard that they had just dyed or if it was a fake beard because it looked so strange on his face (laughs) yeah i i know what you mean but it didn't stand out to me in the same way i guess i was just sitting there like looking at it and going like Huh. And then obviously they used the Irishman style reverse aging yeah. uh, technology on Nick Cage because he also plays sort of a younger version of himself in a dream like vision yeah. kind of space. And so I was like, are we doing something CG on Nick Cage's regular face with this <laughs> beard? Like, 
Is the beard so. was the beard never there? I was. I think yeah. it must have been like maybe a fake beard, but I don't think it was CGI. I don't know because they use so much CGI guess, yeah. like on people's face now. Because I remember I was reading some article where they were talking about the Marvel movies, and it's like they don't oh, even yeah. put well, makeup they, on them yeah. anymore. It's like they just do all of that in post production. Yeah. And randomly, this is a whole different side, but <laughs> okay, okay. I was watching. Um, so I'm watching this move or this TV show that Andrew Garfield is in called Under the Banner of Heaven, which is about mm, like these yes. mur- mur- Mormon Mur-mur. murders that takes place. Mur-mur and murders. the show is fascinating. I'm obsessed with it. I've been <laughs> texting Shelby about it every five seconds. But and and I only got the screeners for the first five episodes. So I'm dying to see like what happened, even though it's based on real events and I could look them up. Um, but the episodes that they gave us are unfinished and so throughout <laughs> the episodes there's like some green screen in the background or and there's like notes on the bottom of the oh, of the screen that say like we're gonna like re-enhance this dialogue we're going to add you know such and such in the background but some of them are like it's like a shot of salt lake city and they're like remove buildings that were built after 1980 <laughs> or it's like a shot uh, or they're like add a temple here or but there were a couple of them that were like um change the blood on the face to make it match with like other blood or like Mm. add gunshot wound kind of a thing and i was like this is intriguing to me because it used to be that in order to do some kind of special effect you had to have like a green screen element of it where now it's like they can go into a completely realistic shot and edit whatever they want into it or out of it and I was just like intrigued by watching that and then now I am looking at movies differently because I'm like really any of this could be fake like it doesn't (laughs) even like it's not even noticeable as much anymore you know yeah no that's that's true I guess we'll have to send Nick Cage a DM or the directors and be like hey hey what was going on with the beard what was going on with the beard could you Um, let us know please we're interested (laughs) But yeah, I kind of liked this like phantom self. He it's like his hype man. He's constantly pushing him to be to go back to being, you know, Nick effing cage and like, you know, uh, ready to lean into the weirdness again. And I kind of liked having him at odds with this more mellowed out older father figure type who's like, I want to work. I want to do this. I'm excited about this, but you need to calm calm down. And I thought that was interesting. But again, I didn't know what they were like going for necessarily. Like it was like, is it just because they wanted the joke of like, look at who Nick Cage used to be or what did it add to the story? Like it was just like, oh, now and Nick Cage had the idea that they'd make out with each other. So like Nick Cage kisses Nick Cage in this movie. Um, And it was like a funny gag, but it was like, what is happening? What is the purpose here? I want to know. In a movie about movies, I feel like you have to hold yourself to a higher standard because it's like everything matters and you're celebrating your knowledge of that. But why are you making the choices you are now? I mean, they were definitely over and over again, sort of. I think that the the point of criticism for Nick Cage that they went in on in the movie, even if they didn't go, you know, like as much as you would want them to, was that he like now just like will do any role and it sort of doesn't matter what it is as long as it's like paying him money and that he's very um 
and that because of his like weird spending habits, he has to take things that are given to him, even if he doesn't <laughs> want to be in them. And so that's why he ends up on this trip. And that's why he's ended up in some of these movies. And so I do think that like the, they, that the point of criticism for him that they address is that he's like not really a movie star anymore. He's sort of just this like weird (laughs) eccentric figure and that there has to be a part of him that wants to get Mm -hmm. back to that, but doesn't really know how. Um, And so I think that was the point of those scenes with the other Nick Cage was like, hey, like, remember that there's, like, sort of a, you could be a different version of yourself, but that version is portrayed in such a negative light in those scenes that you want Nick Cage to stay sort of, like, this weird dad and not to return to Hollywood. Like, the returning to (laughs) to Hollywood is depicted in this movie as, like, the bad idea. Right. Yeah. And in the end, he he finds a balance where he chooses his family over the the glitz and glam of it all. But yeah, it just, I was really like, I don't know. It, this felt like such a, a man's movie. And in that sense, I felt like the ending was just such a non-ending to me. Like it was so half-assed and like so unmoving to me that it was just like, I almost wish they would have just ended with him, like with him in the, in the actual like, you know, uh, Mallorca embassy, uh, stabbing the, the villain finally. Like I, I didn't like the neat bow on the end because it felt so weirdly unearned and uninteresting and kind of like, I don't know, movies about movies, you know, I feel feel like, yes, I know you don't like the movies about movies thing. (laughs) Um, your, I feel like your criticism of movies as like too like film broy or like uh, like too like male centric is interesting uh, because I agree with it in general in sort of like a broader sense, and I don't like sort of those like bruja like hacksaw ridge sort of like uh sports war kind of movies or and i don't really even particularly like the sort of memento uh esque uh, you know like christopher nolan things all the time but but i feel like there are certain movies that i would in my watching of them say, Oh, this definitely falls into that camp. And you're like, no, absolutely not. Like pig. I felt like, Oh, such a film movie. And you were like, no, of course not pig. Never. There's not a woman in the movie, but it's definitely not a film bro movie. And then this, which I feel like is like, I'm not sure I would call it a film bro movie. It's just like a very like run of the mill kind of like standard family thing. That's, that's slightly zhuzhed up because of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and you're like, this, this so is this the is film bro I mean. movie. This is what I mean. It's like, okay, looking at Pig. Pig Pig was thoughtful about this man and his relationship with his pig and what that stood in for and what he lost. And it was an emotionally driven film. So it felt more, even if it wasn't about women or had women, it felt like it honored this idea of a, a nuanced gaze. Whereas when I looked at this movie, 
This is definitely not nuanced. No, I will agree yeah. with that. But also Pig had a random ass under the <laughs> secret hotel fight <laughs> club sequence in it. Right. But I, I could analyze Pig all day and I'm happy to do an episode with you about Pig. But no. the thing that annoyed me about this was the the lack of thought put into it. And that is something that bothers me when it's like men don't have to think hard to make get a movie made and and that's a generalization and like obviously not all men but what i mean is watching this i was like they didn't even like try in a lot of ways they didn't try to complicate or or add nuance to this relationship that had already been done in a million different movies and sure they made a joke about how it's always done in movies but that doesn't that doesn't may- mean they're free of having to show their work, you know, like it just felt so slapped together and unearned in the end for him to have this repaired relationship with his daughter and wife because he what skipped a party and watched Paddington two with her finally. Like it was like, if you want me to care, if you want this relationship to be the heartbeat of your movie, then you have to like put some work into it. You but have it just to go felt... to an under the hotel <laughs> fight club and fight for your pig's honor. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yes. I just, I don't care how you get to it, but there was no, there was no emotional meat to this film. And on top of that, like I said, they didn't give a single f about the daughter or the wife's characters they were so thinly drawn that it was frustrating like it felt insulting to have them there doing absolutely nothing except what was convenient to the plot and it's like if you want your central theme to be a father-daughter relationship then like actually show you care about that relationship well, I think part of the weird thing with the mother character was that supposedly they're divorced. Yeah. But then they sort of are proceeding as if they are like just a normal thing. Fa- like it, the divorce doesn't really factor in, which I guess in some ways is nice because yeah, they're very it is amicable. portraying a version of divorce where the couple is like still very amicable and get along and have interactions. But at the same time, I was like, huh, it feels like that there could be like something of more depth here that we could get into. Yeah. Cause she's like given this weird like moment where she's not scared of the drug Lord and is able to like pull through. And it's like, well, where did that come from? Why? And, and she like gives, and he's like impressed by that, but then it's never mentioned again or addressed again. And I just feel like the way they ended it, where it suddenly cut to, they had made this movie like big fat liar style. It just felt like, Oh, okay. So we're not even going to process like this healing moment. Like, I don't know. It's not that I need to sit down and have a sob story, but it just, I could tell that they didn't think about it. Like it was just so uh, conventional and lazy that it just is kind of like, I'm not going to respect this movie just because you happen to get Nick Cage attached to it. I was also intrigued about if the wife was a stand-in because he's been married five times now and i was like is this like is this wife one of them like one of the wives is like he was married to patricia arquette for a while and so i was like is that who this is supposed to be or is this just a completely fictionalized they just needed a story they just needed a wife there because they needed a daughter there because they wanted a central like it's like it this, felt so convenient. And this movie has done very well, though, critically. Yes, it, has. it has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's because Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. <laughs> this isn't even Hollywood. This is uh, journalism. This is a movie about filmmaking. This is a movie about movies. 
I I liked this. I mean, I I, I see the criticisms, but I think this is like a very um like I don't know. It's a very like surfacey movie to me. Like yeah. I don't I did not find it deep. I did not find it um necessarily uh like thought provoking, but I did think it was funny and had some nice gags and set pieces in it and thought that the relationship with, with him and or like the portrayal of Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal and the daughter, like those relationships were very sort of sweet and heartwarming in a way yeah, that really we don't liked. always get. I really liked Pedro Pascal in this. I really liked their energy together. I like even the scene where Pedro is trying to get Nick Cage to like him. So he just starts acting out this weird <laughs> improv scene to get them off a cliff. Like there were some really funny moments in this, but I wish they had just honored that instead of unironically trying to make a more conventional movie without actually criticizing that that methodology in Hollywood. Like it was just like you didn't need necessarily even the daughter or or wife storyline because it offered so little to the movie that it became distracting for me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like it's like a fine movie. Like I'm not mad about it. Like I I can see why people like it. And if you are a fan of like if you understand the references, there are a lot there's a lot going on in this movie about Nick Cage and his filmography that I'm sure would be pleasant to watch but it just was like it just became sort of like bogged down for me um seeing more characters introduced and given nothing to do that I just wish they had trimmed it and just kept it like the buddy cop sort I mean the buddy the the like friends to (laughs) I don't know like the the whole premise of them having to kill each other at one point was very potentially funny but it just felt like it didn't it didn't stick the landing uh, as hard as it could have. And it ended up distracting itself with like these other baubles and toys. And you know what? If you're, <laughs> I'm oh, gosh. sorry. I, I just, the, the central story is that uh, the CIA is watching Pedro because they think he's this master crime Lord. And Nick Cage is like, what? I know this guy. He couldn't ever be. And I thought, you know, it would have been funny to find out he was and like complicate, you know, relationships like, oh, my gosh, how could I have not seen this type thing? But I was also fine if it turned out he wasn't and somehow had been like stupidly like caught as like, like almost like this, I don't know, sort of like accident where the CIA got it wrong. But instead, it was this weird thing where it was his cousin and he knew about it and was like fine with it. And had like known his dad was a drug, a, a cartel lord or whatever they were doing. And so was, in my opinion, pretty complicit in the crimes of this family. Because to the cousin's point, he'd been happily, you know, banking on the money and the, the finance coming in. And so I kind of like didn't like that because I was like, ew, I would have rather him been a total like oaf and didn't realize what was going on around him and was completely innocent of the whole thing. Or was the was the true villain of the film and it was a big twist in the end. But instead it was this weird middle ground where it's like, I don't know if you should be able to come to America and make films after being involved in the kidnapping of a <laughs> of a political child, right? Like I it was just a little ick for me. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that part very much. Um you were clearly out here uh, doing a in-depth I, I analysis even, like, think of about it. Film. I was just like, as it happened, I was like, wait, he knew about this? And it was like, ew, I don't know. It's just like, 
It just felt I feel like weird. he sort of knew, but like sort of didn't. I don't know. I was kind of confused as to how, what his involvement level was. Um, I mean, he I was ready like, to kill Nick Cage. I mean, he wasn't going to, but he was going to, you know? So he's clearly like aware of the crime of his family. I get, well, yes, <laughs> but I don't... Do like, did he, he know that do. the daughters were kidnapped? Or I don't know. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Nick Cage a little bit before <laughs> okay. we finish up. So he's coming off of, I think, like, two uh in mandy and pig like two yeah i think like critically lauded performances that didn't necessarily get like a ton of awards tractions in movies that weren't huge and then this which i think is a little bit more mainstream where he's very likable it's getting good critical response even if it's not a massive movie um he's in it looks like a couple of westerns coming up this year um one of them is starring him and then Paul Racy, who is from uh, Sound of Metal, and Fred Heshinger, who is the boy from The White Lotus. So that feels like it's got some sort of uh, like interesting quality to it. Do you think that we are headed into like a Nicolas Cage resurgence, or do you think that this is just sort of random and we're going to kind of go back to weird Nicolas Cage? Like, do you think that we're we're he- we're steering toward like a complete brand change or no? Is Nick Cage heading for a resurgence? I I feel like the thing that this movie properly addresses is that he hasn't like gone anywhere, right? Like he's been around, and I don't think I think this movie proves that he doesn't necessarily care about staying on the auteur, like a uh, highbrow drama path he's been on with like Mandy and Pig. It seems more like he's still doing what he always does, which is just picking roles he wants to do and is maybe now more embraced as a probable star um, because he did those more critically acclaimed films. But it just seems like he's just you know, doing doing what he wants. But I think for a long time, like he he wasn't necessarily getting a ton of yeah. like great roles because people were like uh nick cage like sort yeah. of weird so we're not going to cast him in things where now i feel like he is looked upon differently so if you're casting somebody you might stick him in a movie that maybe you would be putting like a george clooney or a brad pitt or somebody who like has a little bit more right. gravita i mean obviously those people yeah, are bringing yeah. a different energy but like more in that sort of like michael keaton kind of space yeah. whereas before i don't think you were looking at him in the same way Yeah, I mean, I think this movie, if anything, was great PR for him. Like, I think it helped normalize his neuroses in a way. Like, it it made him more approachable even to people who have thought he's been weird for a long time. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he's weird, but he's, like, human still. Like, he's still, he's cool. He, He loves working. He loves movies. Like, I get it now type thing. And so, yeah, I can see this movie being a good, a really smart choice for him. Yeah, I I like him. I feel like he's a likable person, so I'm excited for him. I hope <laughs> that I hope that his next you know choices are good and that he yeah you know, gets I mean, to flex he's his. He's still the guy who, like you said, he's been married five times. He he has a child named after Superman. He has a. I'm pretty sure he bought a tombstone that's like a, a nine story like uh, pyramid or something. Like there's a lot of weirdness to him, um, but I think this was a clever way to kind of remind people that he's still 
funny. He's still a good actor. He still goes hard in his movies and he can still be mainstream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas some people just don't get pig the way I did. So (laughs) pig. Um, Well, okay. I think that's enough on this movie. (laughs) Um, We'll be back next week. I'm not sure. It doesn't look like there's anything really big coming out. So I don't know if you want to drag yourself to the theaters to see the Northmen or not. Um, But then the following week we have Doctor Strange, which. Well, so then is next week my birthday week? Oh. (laughs) We got to do it sometime. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll we'll do a special episode detailing the. the 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 life the the Hollywood of it all of a certain star to be announced at a later date, but always a good time. To Surprise! Discuss. It's Nick Cage. Yeah, we're 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 committing now to watching a hundred movies in the next seven days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next week is your birthday episode. So we won't have a pop culture roundup, and then the following week we'll be back to normal schedule with the. Doctor Strange movie and you can explain to me what is happening because I (laughs) did not watch parts of some of these last if the Moon Knight shows up we're going to be in trouble Um, in the meantime you can follow us on social media leave us a review we'll see you guys next week bye bye